we start with a guy that's been a dear friend of mine and my family for a very long time. He is great on television, CNBC, one of the real smart economists we've got in the country for a very, very long time. And um, he was, uh, and I'm his fave too, back on the days of MSNBC. Here he is, Bernie and Sid Fave from CNBC, Ron and Santa. Good morning, Ronnie. How are you, pal? I'm doing fine, so then please send my best to Bernie. I will. Uh, I will. We have a, a good long history together. Yes, you do. He loves you very, very much. I told him that a couple of weeks ago as well from you, and he said thank you. So I will send uh, send those along. Well, good morning. I want to play for you, Ron, this little um, interaction, if you will, between the president of the United States, Joe Biden, and Lester Holt from NBC. I was shocked, but Lester actually kind of called the president of the carpet for the inflation issue. And, of course, Joe Biden had no answers. If you missed it, here was the exchange. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit, uh, and I understand that's your job. But, look, uh, at the time, what happened was the uh, let's look at the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the Supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles so they could function, they need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens? The number of cars were reduced, the new cars reduced. It made up at one point, one-third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, we got Intel to come in and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. So if you weren't confused before, now you're really confused. Point being, he wasn't being a wise guy, Ron. He was asking a question that we all want to know. What the hell is the real deal with inflation? I think you've got the answer. Yeah, well, I, I would I would say the president is right in the sense that we have had a, a protracted period because of the pandemic of disruptions in supplies of things, everything from really computer chips to potato chips. I mean, they, you, you see this in grocery stores. You see it. Uh, as he, he was right that the used car price increases accounted at one point for one third of the increase in, in monthly inflation. And if you look year over year, used car prices are up 40 percent. New car prices are up 11 percent. Um, so a lot of this does have to do with the the disruption that took place during the pandemic where supply was constrained. And then when, when the economy began to come back online with all the government supports that were, were doled out, people had a lot of money to spend. And so they were chasing limited goods with a lot of available dollars, and that results in inflation. I still think it will prove to be temporary, not temporary in the sense that it lasts three months, six months, even a year. These problems, and, and it's kind of like a post-war environment, sometimes take one or two years to work themselves when, when you shut down the entire global economy for a period of time, it's just hard to crank it back up to full speed. You know, talking about the supply chain shortage, even I'm feeling it now <laughs> yeah. my, with my book, Citizens United, which you're in, by the way, Ronnie. It's supposed to come out around Father's God. Day. Yeah, but these it's publishers. Not like page six or anything, is it? <laughs> no. But these okay. publishers, they can't get the paper. So now the book, right. instead of coming out Father's Day, it'll be out. Closer to uh, September 20th, the end of September. So even I'm feeling it, but the supply chain shortage, Pete Buttigieg hasn't really had a good answer yet for that either. Uh, Tell us, what is the latest with that and how can we fix it? Well, I mean, one, we do have to onshore a lot more manufacturing capacity. and And we have countries that still, like China, will occasionally lock down 
portions of their economy because they have a zero COVID policy and that disrupts the production of goods that typically make it to other shores. Uh, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates to cool the economy and, and push demand back down so that inflation stops going up. We've gotten some really bad numbers over the past couple of months. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that that immediately solves the problem. It will slow the economy. It will bring prices back down to a certain extent. But raising interest rates will not alleviate shortages on, on its own. I mean, when you think of, again, whether it's automobiles or whether it's, you know, the labor market disruptions that we're seeing that have resulted in wage inflation, we're still short 100,000 truckers in the United States. So shipping has been difficult. Shipping costs are up. Uh, and we see this in small businesses and large businesses. So I, in my view, the, the solution is time and, and normalizing production. Uh, in other people's view, they think that we have too much money floating around, the economy's too strong, maybe overheating, and that the Fed needs it to cool it down. So I'm not in that camp. I, the Fed should normalize interest rates anyway because the economy's fine, relatively speaking. But I, I, the, the real answer to all this is making more stuff so that prices come down to their natural levels. Talking about the Fed raising interest rates, Danielle and I have lived in the city now for the better part of five years, uh, downtown first by Hanover Square, by Wall Street, now the Upper West Side, we've had enough. You win, all right, you won. <laughs> <laughs> you want me out? You got me out. Eric Adams, Bill de Blasio, congratulations. We've been house hunting now for quite some time. And um, she's been nervous. Did you Danielle. call my wife? She's a real estate agent. No, you because moving into New Jersey, no. and, and you know you get more, a lot more space for your money out here. Hey, listen, I loved living in Tenafly. You and I were very close back then. I would move to we Jersey were. tomorrow, but doesn't make sense because Danielle works on Long Island. But she's been nervous True. about these interest rates and the Fed raising them. How high do you think those uh, those numbers may get? Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. So so people are talking about seven interest rate increases this year, which would take the short-term rate that the Fed controls above 1%, maybe towards 1.5%. You know, mortgage rates have ticked up above 4%, which historically is still extremely low. The problem is that prices for homes have gone up. We're short about 5 million homes relative to demand. Rents have gone up. I think about 14% year over year in some places, as much as 40%. So that this is this is a big component, which again is 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 partly structural. You know, the millennials delayed their family formation because of the great financial crisis. Now they're out there looking for homes, and some people, of course, have moved away from big cities and gone into places like Nashville and Austin and Phoenix and Spokane, <laughs> Washington. Yeah, and they're pushing up. The price of houses and so house prices have have run away to the upside as well that's going to take a while to fix yeah sure. I, got, I got to tell you i i uh, watch the hgtv channel a lot money that's kind of our guilty pleasure now and uh because of home improvements and stuff i think it's kind of cool and for example one of the shows i really like is this couple ben i forget his wife's name Aaron napier and the name of the show is hometown and they live in this little town laurel mississippi and if i tell you the amount of house you get for a quarter oh, yeah. of a million dollars. I watch these shows. I get nauseous. I can't believe it. Now, again, you're living in Laurel, Mississippi, but my God, value for the money, Ronnie, it's incredible. Absolutely. And then, look, I mean, first of all, one, that's always been true. Uh, today, it's more true than ever, right? I mean, in the sense that if you move to places with lower cost of living, you get a lot more house. Uh, your dollar goes farther on almost everything, you know, and so... It's it, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you know, if you want to if you want to buy a you know five thousand square foot apartment in Manhattan, I mean, you're probably oh. talking about what five six seven million dollars. Yes, right. I yes. mean, 
Yeah. So. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> no, no <laughs> yeah, thank well, you. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, I know. I'll I take, know. I'll I take know. a house on the water someplace else. Ron and Santa, Absolutely. CNBC. So we're all waiting with bated breath here to see what Putin and Russia does with uh, Ukraine. Joe Biden intimated yesterday if uh, Ukraine is, in fact, invaded by Russia, you're going to feel some of that here. I'm not sure if you meant economically, but what does it mean economically if, in fact, the Russians do invade Ukraine? Well, if we if we were to cut off Russian Russia's energy supplies to to the West, and you know Germany and other parts of Europe get a lot of their both oil and natural gas from Russia, that would drive up the price of the president suggested of, of gasoline. By the way, another another huge mistake Biden made. I mean, idiotic. He got the Keystone Pipeline here, and you just talked about that, all the oil really supply. I mean, come that on, really wouldn't solve the problem. That the the real problem that we have, and you, you can go back several years on this, is that Saudi Arabia and Russia, back in about 2016, decided to uh, 2017, I should say, flood the world with oil and drive U.S. frackers out of business and make it uneconomic for them to continue pumping oil when we were the number one producer in the world. They've driven those companies to the edge uh, at one point of bankruptcy. Now they're not drilling nearly as much, so we've lost, I believe. Over two million barrels a day of production. Yes, we have. But, could, but, but, but no, you're right. But could you explain to me, Ron, why not that long ago? Oh yes, under the Trump presidency, we were energy efficient. We were able to do all these things, and now we're not. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, I just did. The, the Russians and, and and Saudi Arabia and OPEC flooded the market with oil. That didn't happen. That didn't happen in the last. Up. But that didn't happen in the last year, did it? No, it, well, no, it happened in, during during the Trump years. It happened, I mean, okay. and I'm not blaming the president, but I'm saying that's the period in which it happened. Um, and the frackers have just not gone back to producing nearly as much as they did in the past. They're returning money to shareholders instead of making big capital investments to get more oil out of the ground. So we're not in the preeminent position that we were several years ago. And so you can't. And again, that's something again in terms of supply. You just can't bring it on that quickly. So now we're kind of stuck. We're not producing as much. They cut back. And then we had the pandemic, which drove prices down. We had the rebound. That's brought prices up. And this geopolitical risk is really in the last several months, since about October, that's really driven the oil price considerably higher into the mid-90s. And, and gasoline, on average, is about 350 around the country, which, you know, historically is not as high as it was in 2008. So we are feeling some pain at the pump. But in, in October of 2008, oil was at $147 a barrel and gas was closer to 4 or $5. So it, it's yeah, it's more expensive. We're commuting less too, by the way. So I'm not sure the impact would be as great as it was in other periods. But that's the risk. That's one of the risks that if, if Russia goes into Ukraine, we'd see a disruption of energy supplies. Russia also provides commodities to other parts of the world, and that that could have a dampening effect on economic and market activity. Also, just the uncertainty that goes with something like a, a face-off between the West and Russia doesn't help confidence in any way, shape, or form. It is always great to catch up with you. You're so smart. Same, it, uh, sir. God, you're so smart. Are, are, are you, like, really this smart, or is this just like you just – this is just for TV? My wife types this out for me before I come on the show, <laughs> and then I just read it word for word. That's funny. I know your wife. She's a lovely lady and very, very bright like mine. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> hey, you're great. Thank you so much for hopping on this morning, Ronnie. Thanks, we'll do man. it again very, very soon. Thank you so much. All right. Be well. All right, that's Ron Insana, CNBC, American finance reporter, breaking it down, what's going on with inflation, supply chain shortage, and the possibilities the world economy may face if, in fact, Russia does invade the Ukraine. 
If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.